Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Connie. Today is Friday, August 18th, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. Let's kick things off with a look at the weather. In Riverside today, we're expected to reach a sizzling high of 98.3 degrees, while the overnight low will dip to a more manageable 68.7. Ensure you've got the AC cranked up and be sure to stay hydrated. We've got a packed show ahead of us. First up, a story from the international front as the U.S. has approved the transfer of F-16 fighter jets to Ukraine, substantially bolstering defense against Russia. Next, we turn our focus towards something that's been missing from Southern California's weather forecast for the past 84 years. Yes, it's Hurricane Hillary, which threatens with a rare tropical storm. The financial landscape is also experiencing some rough weather. Bitcoin has plunged to a two-month low amidst a global market sell-off and given concerns about China's economy. We'll be diving into what this could mean for the future of the digital currency. We'll also be discussing a recent development from Massachusetts, the Fair Share Amendment. This initiative will provide free school lunches and expand education and transportation services for residents. Stay with us as we unpack the intricacies of these stories, only on Alex's News. Thank you for joining us. Our top story of the day involves some major developments in Ukraine. The United States has given the green light for the delivery of F-16 fighter jets to Ukraine, as brought to light by the Dutch defense minister. These jets are a significant upgrade for Ukraine's air force, something they've long been after. Elias, what can you tell us about this development? Well, Connie, this is a pivotal step, particularly in the context of the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. While these jets won't impact the war immediately, their delivery underlines the U.S.'s commitment to its Ukrainian allies. It's important to note also that the planes are manufactured in the United States, hence the required approval. But there's another key component to this story that tracks to our allies in Europe. Right, Elias. I understand that Netherlands and Denmark have gotten on board to train the Ukrainian pilots in handling these F-16S. Does this mean we're seeing a formation of an international coalition here? Absolutely, Connie. Netherlands and Denmark are indeed a part of an 11-country coalition, which also includes the UK, Canada, and Poland. These countries have rallied together to support a comprehensive international pilot training program to ensure Ukrainian pilots can effectively use the F-16s. In fact, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has confirmed that training on these sophisticated fighter jets will kick-start by August end. Quite a strategic pledge from Ukraine's allies against the backdrop of the ongoing disputes. Definitely an intriguing development. But I'm curious, Elias, with this impending upgrade to Ukraine's air capabilities, what kind of implications can we expect in the ongoing conflict? Good question, Connie. The F-16s are expected to drastically bolster Ukraine's combat capabilities, albeit in the mid to long term. More specifically, they could potentially counter Russian air superiority, thus shifting some balance in the ongoing conflict. On the other hand, there would be potential risks, including how the introduction of these jets might escalate the tensions further. That's a fair point. Now, you mentioned a few other incidents going on in Ukraine. Can you expand on those? 
Of course, Connie. There's a bit of a dichotomy at play here. On one hand, you have this military equipment influx to support Ukraine's combat capabilities. But on the other hand, there are conscientious objectors facing challenges in the country due to their passive resistance to violence. This often unreported side of war is illustrated in Johannes Fritz and Charlotte Regan's film Scrapper, which portrays the tough choices made by objectors. Furthermore, we've learned about Yuriy Shelyazenko, a staunch pacifist and human rights defender who has been placed under partial house arrest. And speaking of human rights, I understand their related concerns in Iran as well. Could you elaborate on that? Yes, Connie. Iran has seen a worrying crackdown on women's rights activists. This comes ahead of the first year anniversary of the Woman Life Freedom Movement. Many remember the movement was sparked by the tragic death of Masa Amini, who was arrested merely for not fully complying with the mandatory hijab rule. With rising tension in the arrest of activists, filmmakers, and former protesters, there's widespread concern about the government's strong-armed approach. All this underscores the complexity and interconnectedness of global politics. Before we wrap this up, Elias, can you remind us of the news sources for this story? Absolutely, Connie. Our sources for this comprehensive coverage include important contributions from the Seattle Times, the New Voice of Ukraine, the New York Times, Reuters, and ABC News, among others. A truly wide spectrum of inputs. Thank you for your in-depth reporting, Elias. Such insightful information helps us all better understand the state of global affairs. We'll be moving on to our next story in just a moment. We're shifting gears now to discuss quite an unusual scenario brewing off Mexico's Pacific coast. Hurricane Hillary, now packing winds near 145 miles per hour as what we call a Category 4 storm, is projected to make landfall in Southern California as a tropical storm, marking the first such event in almost a century. We're joined by news reporter Grace to unpack this situation. What do we know, Grace? Hi, Connie. Yes, this is a rather rare and serious occurrence. Hurricane Hillary is expected to continue intensifying before it weakens. Its trajectory points to nearing Mexico's Baja California Peninsula on Saturday night, then moving towards Southern California on Sunday. The Mexican government has extended its hurricane watch and issued a tropical storm warning for parts of Baja California Sur State. There's also a tropical storm watch for parts of mainland Mexico. That sounds concerning. Is there an estimation of what kind of impact this could have, particularly in the United States? Absolutely, Connie. The U.S. can expect heavy rain and flooding, especially in the southwestern states. This includes Southern California and Southern Nevada. The storm is forecasted to touch down between Playas de Rosarito and Ensenada on Sunday night, according to the Mexican government. Meanwhile, the Los Angeles Weather Office has an excessive rainfall warning in place until Tuesday. This has even led to SpaceX postponing a rocket launch. Rainfall and floods. Some heavy impacts indeed. But this isn't occurring in a vacuum, right? I understand there have been some peculiarities in this hurricane season. Quite right, Connie. This eastern Pacific hurricane season has seen storms growing more powerful with an increase in rainfall. Experts largely attribute this trend to climate change. As for Hillary, while expected to downgrade to a tropical storm before reaching California, it's predicted to drench the region with up to six inches of rain and even cause flash flooding. Now, from what I gather, it means that even if California doesn't take a direct hit from Hurricane Hillary, it's not out of the woods? That's correct. 
Southern California in particular can expect heavy rainfall, flash flooding, and strong winds. This weather watch also extends to regions like Las Vegas. Although Northern California may see some rainfall, it's still uncertain how much it will receive and where it will be most concentrated. And if Hillary does make it to California, this would be a first in a very long time. Yes, if Hillary ends up reaching California, it would be the first hurricane-turned-tropical storm to do so since 1939. Quite historic, in fact. Certainly a situation to keep a close eye on. Thanks for explaining the complexities of this storm, Grace. Happy to help, Connie. Please, everyone, stay safe and keep up with updates on this developing situation. Moving on to our third story of the day, the world's largest cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, took quite a hit this week, hitting a two-month low amidst a global market sell-off. For more insights, we have our cryptocurrency specialist correspondent, Ethan, joining us. Ethan, what factors have contributed to this drastic drop in Bitcoin's price? Well, Connie, the drop can be linked to quite a few influences. Risk aversion due to concerns about China's economy seems to be a key player. Now, combining that with the release of the Federal Reserve's July meeting minutes, which have sparked worries about inflation and potential increases in interest rates, we're seeing a decrease in the stock market. Plus, there's an upswell in the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield. Adding to this, there are reports of Elon Musk's SpaceX company selling its Bitcoin holdings, which has had an impact on the cryptocurrency's price. And I also read about Elon Musk's other company, Tesla, holding Bitcoin earlier but later selling a considerable part of it. Can you provide our listeners a little more context on that situation? That's correct, Connie. SpaceX followed suit with Tesla by selling Bitcoin and writing down their value by $373 million across 2021 and 2022. This highlights Musk's significant role in the cryptocurrency market and the continued influence of his decisions on Bitcoin's price trends. Now there's also talk about China's Evergrande Group filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in New York, contributing to this decline, correct? Yes, that news along with concerns surrounding China's economic stability and expectancies of high U.S. interest rates have certainly fueled risk-averse sentiment in global markets. This further adds to the factors dragging Bitcoin's price down. Let's talk a bit about the recent Federal Reserve meeting. How is that playing into all of this? The July meeting report divulges a divergence among members regarding inflation projections and the idea of further rate hikes. While some are advocating for additional rate hikes due to upside risks to inflation, others are urging caution and a maintenance of existing interest rates. The decisions to come will heavily depend on subsequent data, but market sentiment seems to predict that interest rates will remain high for a somewhat extended period. Interesting. So where does all of this leave the broader cryptocurrency market now, Ethan? Connie, the whole market is indeed feeling the pinch. Other currencies like Binance's BNB, Ripple's XRP, as well as Solana and Polygon, are all seeing price drops. Yet, despite all this turbulence, it merits pointing out that Bitcoin has actually grown by 60% since the start of the year, even though it has slipped below a market cap of $500 billion for the first time since mid-June. Before we wrap up, Ethan, Is there any other significant news on the horizon that might impact Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies? Absolutely. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission is expected to approve Ethereum Futures Exchange-traded funds in the coming months. This would allow investors to gain exposure to Ethereum through ETFs, which is quite significant. Elsewhere, Taiwan is contemplating clearer rules for the crypto industry, 
including the creation of a new business category for crypto-related establishments to self-regulate and set up industry associations. That's quite a lot to take in. Thank you for your expert insights, Ethan. I'm sure our listeners appreciate your comprehensive coverage of these complex developments. It's my pleasure, Connie. Happy to be of help. Let's move on to our final story of the morning Massachusetts is set to make strides in education and transportation accessibility. This sweeping new initiative, which includes offering free school lunches to all K-12 students, became possible thanks to a newly approved tax amendment. To help break down these promising developments, we're joined now by our reporter, Chloe. Chloe, could you first explain what this tax amendment is all about? Absolutely, Connie. The tax in question is known as the Fair Share Amendment, which voters in Massachusetts approved back in November 2022. This legislation imposes a 4% income tax on residents' earnings exceeding $1 million. And how much capital are we expecting this new tax to generate? It's expected to produce an extra $1 billion for the state, Connie. Now, this extra income is going to be judiciously allocated. For example, $224 million is earmarked explicitly for K-12 programs. Not only will these funds ensure that every student gets free lunch, but they'll also support clean energy initiatives within schools. It's certainly a valuable investment in future generations. And what about higher education? What's covered there? Great question. $229 million of the funds derived from this new tax will be allocated towards higher education. And quite excitingly, it includes making community college free for individuals aged 25 and older. This initiative really opens up access to affordable higher education in Massachusetts. That sounds amazing. But it's not just education that's benefiting from this tax, correct? I believe we're seeing some promising developments for transportation infrastructure, too. That's right, Connie. Additional funds will be invested in improving the state's transportation sector. This means preserving highway bridges, improving city roads, and enhancing public transit stations. It's a comprehensive effort aimed at addressing accessibility and infrastructure. Quite an ambitious endeavor. What's the total budget we're looking at for this entire initiative? The budget for this comprehensive initiative comes to around $56 billion in total, Connie. That's quite a sum. Can we expect further developments or expansions in the future as a result of this initiative? It's certainly possible, Connie. But it's also important to remember that the impacts of such extensive initiatives often take time to fully materialize. Nevertheless, the commitment to funding education and transportation certainly sets a positive precedent, reassuring citizens about the focus on public goods. Indeed. And you've given us a fantastic breakdown of this story, which I believe initially came from NPR and WUSF Public Media, correct? Yes, that's correct, Connie. Well, Chloe, thank you for providing such a clear and in-depth analysis of this important story from Massachusetts. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. Always happy to join you, Connie. Thanks for having me. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, 11 Labs, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.